0: One, two, three.
1: Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show that gets right to the heart of our guests' life stories with the help of the songs that have become bound to their memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guests this week are producers and DJs of the Austin, Texas-based music duo Tritonal, Chad Cisneros, and David Reed. As Tritonal, they've released five studio albums since forming in 2008, including their latest Coalesce earlier this year. They've also got about 10 EPs and several compilations as well as scores of singles and remixes. They were number 65 on DJ Mag's Top 100 DJs of 2012 and one of MTV Clubland's 10 Artists to Watch in 2013, and they hosted a trance radio show called Air Up There until 2018 and now co-host a show called Tritonia on Sirius XM Electric Area. We caught up with Chad and David from their studios in Austin. Hey there, Chad, and hey there, David. How are you all doing today?
0: Great, man. Thanks for having us. Doing wonderful. Thank you.
1: Okay, so have you listened to any music so far this morning? David, you go first.
2: Yes, I definitely have. Uh, It's actually been some of our own stuff, and then also some stuff on Spotify as well, for sure, to get some inspiration. What about you, Chad?
0: Yep. I mean, Dave and I are pretty productive in the fact that our studio day starts about between 9 and 10. Um, And, you know, as a career, we've been together now 15 years, and um. For the most part when we're not touring we're working um and so yes i have um both on two different projects we're working on and um some music that i listened to while meditating this morning so yes very cool
1: um so where'd the name tritonal come from oh man that's a story (laughs) right (laughs) i mean mean,
0: we, we knew so yeah the thing about it is is dave dave and i um sort of have an interesting relationship in terms of how we became a duo that might set up the name, um, selection a little better. So Dave, um, was in Washington DC and I was in Austin, Texas. And, um, we met online, we met online on an online blog discussing, um, the bugs of an at the time hardware, digital and analog synthesizer called the virus ti awesome and that synthesizer (laughs) forum was filled with complainers about all the problems that this synthesizer had and dave and i just became friends showing each other our crappy little beats and songs and track ideas that we had and we're able to really this was the dawning of the computer days it was the dawning of chat and i am right and um Napster, and you know, it was the dawning of the digital era, right? Right. Um, and so, it was pretty unusual for you know production partners to have established their relationship digitally first in those days, but we did, and I think that was really beneficial to our relationship even today because we spent a lot of time in different cities simply being online together on on chat together and listening to c- crazy amounts of music. Um, radio shows specifically like Armin Van Buren and Tiesto and these sort of legendary European, um, trance and progressive house DJs. And we would, we would just talk about what we liked or disliked about the music. And so, you know, Dave was quite a bit younger than me. Is it it eight years, Dave, younger than me? Nine, something like that, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So I was finishing college at the university of Texas and Dave was a, um, well he was homeschooled so he'd been making music in his bedroom since he was like 12 13 years old so when when he when his you know parents and his um his family decided to allow him to sort of give this whole production collaboration thing a chance it was a big move for him like coming from dc to austin Mm -hmm. isn't a short distance and so you know we that's all to say that we spent a lot of time going through a lot of really bad names <laughs> um, because we really wanted to make this work and we landed on tritonal. And, and the reason that we liked it was for one, a tritone is a, it's a diminished fifth. It's a musical interval or a, that's just a fancy way for saying it's a chord. Um, and, and tritonal as a, as a word is an explosive in the military, and airdrop detonated bombs. It's actually 80% TNT, and so we, when we found the name, we we're like, oh man, that's pretty sick. Like, musical explosivity to be vernacularly expressed in
1: one word is pretty poignant for what we were trying to do. Oh, that's awesome. So Chad, we're gonna start with you now with some of these uh, show questions. Where did you grow up, and how would you describe the musical background of your childhood? Grew up in Texas, the
0: Bible Belt, Amarillo, Texas. It was a um, very, very traumatic place to to grow up. Um, But, you know, all jokes aside, um, I actually do come from a musical family. Um, My mom um, actually cut records back in the day. She was a part of a a singing group. She has four other sisters. So the Day family singers were a traveling um gospel singing um band where my grandma was playing piano and my grandpa was playing guitar so i grew up
1: listening to gospel music hmm what's the earliest musical memory you can recall or what flashes into your head when i ask you that
0: the the sisters performing they were big on harmony they were always practicing harmony we were we grew up watching them practice and get ready for performances um so it was all sort of in the house like if you're are you talking about like a recording performance like no just anything
1: that just flaps yeah i mean that's what it
0: was as a little boy you know i just grew up listening to music in the home um that they were actually performing live there it was uh it was just as sort of as natural as um eating or going to the bathroom or somebody was always singing do you have brothers or sisters I do. I'm um, the oldest of four. I have two brothers and a, and a little sister. Have you influenced or did you influence their musical tastes? Absolutely. My little brother, Ty, who's now a um, psychotherapist in Denver, travels, um, well, now internationally to Tritonal shows. He's a massive fan. Um, and yeah, he'll be with us at Tritonia 400 for our 400th episode of our radio show. And it looks like Dave he's going to come to Amsterdam for the ADE event too.
1: Um, what was the first band or musician that really got your attention, Chad? Man, Michael Jackson, Thriller. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> do you <laughs> remember the Do you remember the first music that you owned that you physically? Yeah, it was that. I it was a tape. It was a tape of Michael Jackson's Thriller. Do you remember watching the extended version of the music video on MTV when it premiered? Absolutely. MTV was a, <laughs> MTV was the, a movement, man. That, uh, that just came up on the show the other day and I had forgotten about the long version, but yeah, that was like an event, you know, that was an event. It
0: was also a, it was pop culture, but it, it changed the music industry. Like it was a change. It was all of a sudden musicians were given the ability to express through visual, which and, and almost required
1: to right at that point. Hmm um what was your first instrument um it was the piano yeah did you take lessons or was it kind of a self-taught lessons it
0: was took lessons from my grandma um that said i did not um become that proficient in it i uh, continued to pursue athletics and all things physical oh so you were a
1: jock as a kid
0: yeah, I was a jock and also um pretty good at academics. I was a little honors kid. I played everything. Everything from basketball, baseball, football, taekwondo, everything that we could play. I had a ton of energy and um
1: it was best suited for me to be outside. Did you play any other instruments as a kid besides piano?
0: I tried guitar with my grandpa. Got my hands and fingers really blistered up and started to formulate some little calluses, but it it didn't go into a
1: full-fledged um you know, desire to play guitar all the time. Hmm. Uh, uh, Last question before you do your song. If you could learn an instant, uh, if you can learn a musical instrument instantly right now, Matrix style and be like super good at it, what would it be? The piano. The piano. So you're not super good at the piano is what you're saying. Um, That's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get to your song. Um, uh, Would you like to tell a story first? Um, How would you like to handle this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to tell the story first. I think that that sound uh sets up such a um you know, a pretty intense um song to listen to in terms of sonics. Um so, you know, music for me um as a child um was a a great therapy. It was a um an entry point for me into um into a, a healing that I feel like still going on today and I feel like that's sort of what we are as artists um, embracing as our sort of dharma or purpose. But, you know, growing up in um, an intensely uh, dogmatic Christian environment, um, we were taught separation from an early age, separation from God as original sin, separation from our brothers and sisters, um, according to this sort of otherness of others, um, an ingrained sense of entrenched um, competition. Um, I like to call it capitalistic churchianity, but you know, it's the notion that we compete uh, athletically, as we were talking about just a while ago, that we compete academically, that we compete in business, that we compete with other nations, and then we compete with each other. And it was this real Real ingrained sense of you're separate from nature, you're separate from your creator, and you're separate from your brothers. And that mixed with the lack of a father in my childhood um, and a whole bunch of subconscious programming and indoctrination created a whole lot of psychological, emotional, and metaphysical pain within myself. Um, and, you know, as a kid, that was expressed as anger it was expressed as fear. Um, it was expressed as rebellion. It was expressed as, um, you know, F you to the system. The nineties were rough, man. I mean, I grew, you know, I I graduated in 98 from high school and then the nineties were typified with the whole Iraq bush coming. The nineties were were wild. Right. And, um, and the eighties too, like heavy psychological trauma. And, um, you know, The, what I'm about to talk about was my first experience, 16 years old with a few things that have proven to be profound in my life. Um, one of them was the fact that my first rave, um, which is an electronic dance event at the time in the nineties, they were outlawed, um, in Texas, they were, they were outlawed under the crack house laws. Hmm. Um, and so rave culture was underground which meant that you had to get a, a number and you had to like find out about the show the day of and it you know it was a it was a whole thing music at that time electronic dance music um, was not mainstream there was no there was no you know slang word EDM right dance music by and large the kind of dance music that Dave and I have proven to become successful in was primarily in Europe i mean there was some of it um, in the United States, but it certainly was not easily find. It wasn't on radio. Um, it wasn't in that many record shops. In fact, the record shops, um, a lot of times, DJs, early days, you had to go and sort of be there when the delivery came. Like You had to know the guy. You had to get the white label. Hmm. right. You had to figure out where the track was coming from. And so, my first rave at 16 years old was my first time to ingest psychedelics. It was my first time to have an experience with LSD, lysergic diethylamide. That experience was profound. It was very. It was so profound. It was the first time that I heard um, this sort of hypnotizing, repetitive um, music. And the record that stood out that night was Josh Wink's Higher State of Consciousness. And I ended up getting a tape after the after the show and and on our way back home to. Um, From Dallas, this event was in Dallas, Texas, of this record and playing it over and over and over again. But, you know, psychedelics at that time, although I didn't have the linguistic ability to express what they had, what the experience that I had, um, but it was an experience of really dropping the illusion of separateness, experiencing myself at, at one with and at home in the universe at large. Experiencing other planes of consciousness in which I, as an individualized portionality of consciousness, was energy manifesting rather than material, and it was the emerging of me starting to, um, which I am now, I'm a yogi, um, awaken to the truest sense of who and what I am, who and what we are, of what the material universe is constituted by which in my notion and in the vedic worldview is consciousness and so for my first experience of electronic dance music to be my first experience with psychedelia and having a record impact me at such a youthful age of 16 be called higher state of consciousness um to me is just it's unreal It changed the course of your life. It did, and I'm still on that course now with much more clarity, much more equanimity, much more purpose, and
1: a real defined sense of who I am. All right, let's listen to it. This is Chad Cisneros' song today on Three Song Stories. He's with us today alongside his musical collaborator, Dave Reed. Together, they're tritonal. This is Higher States of Consciousness by DJ Wink, first released in March of 1995.
2: Chad, can you describe for our listeners who may have never been to a rave, what's it, what was it like at that rave?
0: It was way different than it is experiences today. Like, the production is next level today. All the technology is there, the LED walls. It's a full, I mean, today it's an immersive experience on all fronts. You go to something like Electronic Daisy Carnival, it's an entire planet. It's an entire world right? Ultra Festival too. I mean, Coachella, these festivals are nuts. But then it was underground. It was a warehouse. There were some lasers and there were some lights, but it was all about community. It was all about the, it was literally just about the music. It was about the music and about the people there who were listening to this music, which was much more just repetitive and tribal and hypnotic than anything at the time. I mean, music was in this full, it was either hardcore rock, it was bands like tool and right and on all the all the heavy metal that was going on at this pantera and all that or it was rap right it was it was the immersion of rap and those two eventually collided the whole rock meets rap thing yeah But, but 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 techno as it was called back then which techno is now its own genre techno wasn't about some rapper unconsciously Vomiting on the mic It wasn't about the hatred It wasn't about the anger It was about the collective It was about a higher State of consciousness Drugs were an entry point And have kind of Always been mixed With the sort of Where music is You think about Woodstock If you think about even I mean you think Even about country western music there's so much alcohol consumed at those events but like mind altering substances with music have always sort of gone hand in hand that can be good or bad depending on the person and their level of sovereignty and their ability to make conscious choice over what's healthy or not healthy for them but but this was about escapism at the time i was 16 right it wasn't about like it is now embodying our truest self it wasn't about actualizing a state of enlightenment it was more it was just about finding a group of people who were really seeking greater points of connection with one another and finding that through the music and sharing love which at the time in the night it was just, like i'm saying the culture it was just you know yeah electronic dance music is now that culture is now here the youth now embody plur the youth now it's a different it's a different youth now it's the di- the fans that like they love the message we're teaching and preaching but back then it was, this was counterculture
2: to, hmm. to pop. Hmm. Yeah. yeah i actually wanted to ask you about that because you know being that age and you mentioned being kind of on the edge of you know angstiness and having ne- finding needing to find an outlet for that and it's fun to me that uh, mike said right before we started the music that it, it set a course for you because, yeah, it totally did. Because a lot of music right then, right at the edge of the millennium, was uh, angst-driven. Um, yeah, and and for for a lot of young people, it was a way to connect. Right, like if if these singers feel this way, that's how I feel. But that yeah. that probably wasn't going to land you where you sit now. Had you latched no. onto it.
0: I was I was ingesting lots of Nirvana, you know, and right. Cobain's dead, and and I almost mm. died due to drug addiction. You, know, I'm 16 years, no alcohol, no heavy drugs, but it almost took me out, like no sh. And so, you know, I had to find my own sovereignty, my own ability to make better choices, my own ability to heal the pain and trauma of separation and just the collective trauma of being a human being on this planet and, and really start to dig in and find out at the deepest essence who and what I am. And, you know, I've, Dave and I've been touring for, um, a long time now. And, 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 you know, I was willing at the time that I got sober to sort of, you know, at the, to give up music or the pursuit of a musical career, if that's what it meant, because it, it got to a place with, alcoholism and drug addiction for me with narcotics where it was literally going to kill me right Hmm. it was or i was going to end up in prison it was that kind of heaviness and like a lot of the rock and roll music that i was listening to i mean these artists were also ingesting that level they were also anesthetizing their psychological and emotional trauma they were stuffing down and being and resisting and not being willing to look at and alchemize that pain um and Dance music, you know, was saturated and inundated with a lot of people doing that same thing, which is escapism, getting super high, getting super out of their mind, falling into the music and using that for an outlet to not deal with or not think about or not um, alchemize or transmute those things which are hindering us. Hindering us from what? Hindering us from our Our most natural state, which is a state of equanimity, which is a state of bliss, which is a state of transcendence. And so, you know, all these years later to have gone through that and to see where the research is right now with psychedelics being used in psychotherapy in order to release people from PTSD, in order to heal people from alcoholism, in order to give those who are chronically depressed a glimpse at what's possible for them to do after they come down and begin to integrate spiritual disciplines into their life. Hmm. And so it's just crazy to me that, um, you know, Dave and I, our message has become so poignant and so clear and so concise. Now it's just, it's mesmerizing to me that my first rave was my first time with psychedelics was my, my first track that I loved was higher states of consciousness, which is exactly my pursuit now um hmm. i i know it's a crazy song to live nah, 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 really <laughs> i don't listen to that kind of stuff anymore but but like there was something really like tribal there was something really native about music stripped away without any lyrics that was just music for music's sake it was rhythms for mu- rhythm's sake and anytime that there's not a top line or a hook or a some you know guy screaming at you about his all his pain and anger when it's just the music allowing sometimes when that music is at a certain vibration or a certain frequency and it's imbued with a certain um you know purpose it allows us to sort of unpack and to deal with things in the present moment in the eternal now so i could talk about this for, forever, but I won't bore the, <laughs> the listeners. I'll let you get into your next. No, thing.
1: I love it, and you say you don't listen to this kind of music anymore. When was the last time you actually sat down and listened to that song? You know, in headphones it was, from start to it finish? was
0: yeah. For, for for this, for when I was asked what would be the record that was the pivotal record or the memory that you can think about and how that ties into now, I was like, well, it's higher state of conscious. Let's slap it on, and it was really like, whoa, like this is intense, like man. But it was for me at the time. You think about like pantera and all the heavy rap and all the heavy tool and i mean it wasn't that heavy i mean there was heavy heavy music. like heavy was what we did you know heavy was just the state of the times yeah heavy was fights at school and, and it was just heavy so you know it's changed but but i don't want to deny something that pivotal and really want to honor
1: it so, you know, if that did sort of open your mind and start to change the course of your life, how did that impact you in terms of like being a jock and things like that? Did that start well, to yeah, nudge you away yeah, from that a, a competitive world, well, I et was already,
0: Yeah, I was already, you know, for me, the moment, I mean, look, drugs and alcohol were a real, you know, people talk about partying too much, but it was about me being able to be okay inside. This was about creating... The first time that I ever smoked marijuana was the first deep breath. I think I felt like I had taken in 10 years, like, no lie. It was like, oh, damn, like, wow, like it was heavy. And I feel like that's how it is for a lot of people. I feel like some people just need a martini just to take the edge off of the day. And I get that. I have that now through meditation and sometimes in just CBD. And, and Dave and I have even, you know done other things together but now it's with sovereign choice it's in a different space then it was out of this incessant need i have to just to be okay in the morning like this was medication you know the the moment that those things started to enter into my life the culture of football and the culture of deep ingrained competition and athletics yeah like you said like you just pointed to i began to sort of unravel those distortions of mine i began to harmonize what it is about those cultures and what it is about those things that have always sort of like given me a sense of unrest and dis-ease, right? And I don't have anything against football, like, and still can watch it and it's fine. But like what I'm saying about is this deep existential metaphysical sense of being separate from the totality of both the realm of forms and the realm of formlessness being cut off from and always in need of everything this sort of fear based frequency fundamental baseline of fear permeated my waking state hmm. right permeated my waking state and so you know i've been on that journey for from 16 until today i'm on it now i mean that's what that's what yoga is it's union union of the individualized portionality of consciousness that we would call our body our psychophysiological spacesuit our mind body complex that individualized wave with unity consciousness that aspect of ourself that's always at home that is fulfillment that is undifferentiated pure consciousness awareness present moment awareness experiencing that in transcendence and meditation is beyond the ability for linguistics to encapsulate is beyond words once that has been tasted there is no other thing you would ever desire hmm. because it completes and fulfills all desire in that place there it's desirelessness it's desirelessness and anytime that you're completely fulfilled full stop have no more desires what are you finally you are the definition of happy joyful blissful at peace that's i got a taste of that at 16 on psychedelics i got a taste of whoa i've been operating into this in this construct this of who and what I am in the world. And it's completely fear-based and it's separate-based. And Hmm. music, music and psychedelics in that moment gave me a glimpse. But then I had to still go and do all the work. I had to still go come back down and go through all the stuff that's still happening as we speak right now. It's going on right now. The
1: curriculum, I would call it. Hmm. The curriculum of life. That resonates with me on some levels for sure. And I was around in the 90s too. So I I know what you're getting at. Um, Cool. David, let's bring you in now um, and start back at the beginning since you get to kind of go through this same arc he just went through. So how would you describe the musical background of your child and where was that?
2: I grew up in, I'm just like Chad, a pretty musical family. My mom would sing and play piano. My sister became a piano teacher um, and she was just self-taught. And through the years, I was just kind of strung along and I guess just kind of fell into the... To, the, to their lapse of wanting to make music. And, I mean, everyone was always trying to get into stuff. My grandmother, my grandfather. I mean, everyone would play something. And my mom and my sister were a little bit more into piano. Um, and that is kind of where it struck a chord for me, pun intended. <laughs> Um, where I really wanted to get into it. And so watching my mom play or watching my sister play and playing the dumbest things, chopsticks and all that stuff, like it was fun, right? And so, I mean, I guess it kind of evolved from there where there was always a piano downstairs in the living room. It was just an upright piano. It's this old, old piano. It's actually still in our family today. Um, We were talking about what we were going to do with it, who's going to get it, who's going to service it, but I'm digressing. So... um, Yeah. I mean, it really started like family driven just around a piano. And um, a lot of that came to for me when my family started to split up. My mom and my dad were divorcing and the piano was still there. So I always would lean on that. And then, you know, through that, it just started to, you know, change me as a person as a little kid. I mean, I was a little squirt, like eight, nine years old when it happened. And Um, it really just was some sort of sanctuary for me, even though I was just, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to play it, of course, you know, but it was just something that made me feel amazing. It made me feel good. There's always a mystery. What could be done? What, what feeling could I feel from playing, even though it's maybe crap, but you know, it's something that I may be able to feel that helped make, make me feel different. Hmm.
1: What about an early musical memory? Is there something super far back or, you know, around that time that is more crystallized?
2: Yeah. I mean, again, we would always be listening to a bunch of stuff. Like the radio stations would be playing some of the most (laughs) poppy stuff back then. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm an eighties kid. So I was born in 88. And I guess like most of the music that started resonating with me as I got older, was more of so like the earlier nineties music into the two thousands and such. And, um, I would say that one of my musical memories is going to be something we're going to be discussing soon. Um, because it was a pretty big change for me, especially when it comes to electronic music and understanding how that was made or how it was put together. That was definitely not an acoustical instrument. And I didn't even know what that even... I was Like, electric drums. Let's talk about that for a second. Sure. As a kid, I'm thinking, how are they making drums sound like that? That doesn't sound like a drum set. But it's actually synthesized. They had hardware and this gear and things that I had no idea about. And so... Um, later on, I know we're going to get into get into it, but it, it was one of the things that really, really piqued my curiosity. Is like, how in the world has this is this stuff put together?
1: Hmm. Do you have brothers or sisters?
2: I do. I am the middle child. I have a younger sister and I have an older sister.
1: Are you like Switzerland? I'm the middle child. I always said I'm like Switzerland.
2: No, I've never heard that saying. I'm like
1: the bridge, the bridge between all the forces.
2: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) no. I mean, I would say that my older sister and I have bonds in a different way than my younger sister and I have bonds. And, you know, my younger sister, she can sing. She can play guitar. My older sister, she's a piano instructor and she has students on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff and share our musical stories and stuff like that. And She's always like Facetiming me or calling me, like check out this new chord progression I just made. <laughs> you know, and so yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's been a pretty well-rounded family. Between me and my two sisters, we've we've pretty much rounded each other out mostly.
1: So you mentioned the piano. Uh, did you play any instruments more formally than poking around on it when you were younger?
2: I poked around on the piano mostly. I did dabble with the drums for a while though, and it ended up being something where I. Ended up finding rhythm with drums where I started playing for, you know, as I got older, I started playing for my youth group and stuff when I was involved in my church and whatnot. And it wasn't something that really stuck with me because it didn't really make me feel anything. It's like, cool, you can feel rhythm. And I'm sure there's some badass drummers, of course. There are amazing drummers out there. But, and I'm not dissing on anyone who's drumming, but for whatever reason, it just did not make me feel, you know, whole as a piano does. And, so yeah I mean it's there's definitely a big difference for me between that drumming and playing a piano because there's piano you've got all these harmonics and totally different land of feelings versus a drum set you know so yeah
1: are you a piano player today
2: today I play but I play mainly by ear I don't really read notes I know some notes um and it's just kind of been the way it's gone and you know, being influenced heavily by my sister and just through experiences really. And, you know, transcribing music and listening to chords and just really understanding different songs and like, oh, that was a really cool movement. Wonder if I can replicate that. And I've learned a lot. I still have a long way to go and I'm really happy with what I know so far. But yeah, I mean, piano was pretty much a strong point for me.
1: If you could learn an instrument instantly matrix style, which would it be?
2: I would definitely still say the piano because there's still plenty more to learn on it. And I would love to continue pursuing it. Hmm.
1: Okay. Well, it is time for your song. So this is the, uh, the sign song, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It brings back a lot of memories. Ace of bass, the sign. So, a long time ago. (laughs) Yeah. So I was got, I man, I think I was like nine or whatever. And, and so going back to what I was saying about like, how in the world was this made? How are these drums made? What is this? Like, this is different. My cousins were fooling around in the garage and one of them was playing this song. And I was like, what is that as a kid? And just listening to it. And I remember asking, what is that? What is that? And finally I was told what it was and I begged my mom to give it for me, give it to me for my birthday. And you know, finally my mom gave me the ace of bass, the sign album on a tape. And I love that. I put that, like, do you remember Walkman's?
1: Heck yeah. yeah I, had a, I had the yellow had a, one.
2: Yeah, I had a tape Walkman. <laughs> I put that thing in my tape Walkman. I walk around the neighborhood. like,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> so I really loved it. And um, it brings back a lot of memories because it did. That was the very one of the very first songs that piqued my curiosity in electronic music production. And just how everything was put together. The vocals, I mean, the vocals, it, they're a Swedish pop group, right? So the vocals were cool. But it was more so of like, how on earth was this done? I mean, in a child's mind, I guess being a 9, 10-year-old or whatever, it was completely perplexing to me. And so, yeah, I mean, that song pretty much felt like the foundation of my curiosity to electronic dance music. Well, should we listen to it together? Let's listen to it together. All right. Let's, this is, let's put our pop hats on. Yeah, this song, this song
1: was everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard, well, I may have heard some or some version of the other song, but I, I, I know this song. I know that it'll all be in my head once it comes on. <laughs> um, this is The Sign by Ace of Bass from their 1992 album, Happy Nation. It's Dave Reed's song today. He's half of the music duo Tritonal, along with Chad Cisneros. This is Three Song Stories. It's biography through music.
2: Oh my god. Inflatable furniture. Oh. oh that song's man. got such a you early know, 90s you know what flavor. That- you remember the 90s songs where they would always have that like like DJ come in, come in the mix over like top of a record where they're like she saw the sign, she saw the sign." Yes, that remember was the that best
0: part of the song.
2: <laughs> yeah, like there is they always had some records like throughout the 90s like snap and stuff like that. There'd always be that that big male vocal that would come and be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to take it to the next level." And like start rapping over it kind of.
0: We were talking about like, CD towers and inflatable furniture, beaded I curtains. Heard.
2: I mean all those things that I had in my- my
1: room. <laughs> Dave, when was the last time you listened to that one straight through?
2: Dude, I listened to it last week. But prior to <laughs> prior to that
1: though, is it a weekly okay, rotation no, for we, you?
2: No, because no, 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 no. I was preparing for this session. When you session, get in right?
0: Dave's car, this <laughs> comes on hot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So I was preparing for this session. I'm like, all right, I haven't heard this record in a long time. I'm like, oh. Wow, it's totally different to me, but it still kind of brings back the memories of Man. my childhood. So, so,
1: so as a producer of music now, when you look back on it, can you de- deconstruct it? You know how they were making that at that time in the world. I mean, is it is it something that's sort of uh, well? Uh, there's clarity now.
2: Oh yeah, there's a lot of clarity. I mean, I definitely know at that time mainly everything was hardware so I mean you're talking different controllers and tape racks and everything that they were having to record everything through so it was a challenge in and of itself so being what the song is and what they created it's actually really good for what they had and now if we were to have like the sign 2.0 it could be absolutely mental with some of the stuff that we have and so I mean definitely having like I mean I over the what last I guess, what, 10, 12 years, I certainly got my answer on how they made it. <laughs> hmm.
1: So if you were intrigued by, you know, how they could make it, how did you start to actualize learning how to make it eventually?
2: Well, so over the years since then, um, being that Ace of Base was kind of my intro to dance and electronic music, I obviously got into a bunch of other stuff. And that comes from when my uncle came in. Um, he came from San Antonio, to help us out because my parents divorced and he brought a lot of music with him and he brought this album called the beats of 99 and I didn't even know what it was. He's like, Hey, check this out. You might like it. Cause I know you're into electronic music. And it was full on 142 BPM trance from a beats of 99. And I completely was in love with it. Everything from the generator to the old school fairy Corsten that was on there like and in being introduced to him and just going, wow! Like this is what I've been longing for. These feelings, the feelings of the synthesizers, and the feelings of now. How in the hell did they make that? Like that's really cool, and just on a completely different level. And so that that album totally made me feel like I got okay. Now the time I got to find out how this was done. So I got myself into this really old school program called Rebirth. And I was just, just kind of toying around with how this stuff was made at that time. And then then came along Orion, which was a, a production software by Synapse Audio. And they're still around today making some of the most incredible plugins. And then you've got Fruity Loops, which is now coined as FL Studio by ImageLine. And now, of course, you've got Ableton Live and you've got all Logic Pro and Cubase. And now all these production companies now have created this digital platform of producing music and so at that time, taking us back like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, even maybe even way, no, way more. Um, and like breaking down a song in those little tiny boxes in Orion Pro, it was definitely a learning like I, I it was a learning experience for sure. I'm like, oh, OK, what is an 808 808- kit? Oh, I see, you know, and so Mm -hmm. just kind of like, and the internet was, and
1: the internet was around, but it was really early. So I guess between, but you might have had forums to get into. Well, I guess that's how you met Chad. Oh
2: yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I met Chad a lot later on, Yeah, yeah, but, um, I mean, with the days of Napster and Winamp, like I was listening to so much dance music. I listened to German techno, and like I was just like all over the map, and I just became this techno head for probably a good twelve years of just listening to just random stuff, and uh, it just was nothing but just records that I felt would inspire me, and I'd always be like. God, I can't make that. I wish I could, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, I feel like there is a lot to come from the Abiza 99 album into all these other different artists that I'd never even heard of in my life making some like Gigi D'Agostino. We all know the, you know, I'll fly with you. You know that, right? I don't. Yes, you do. Come on. That is a big no, one Mike, from a long no, time Mike ago. No, he genuinely doesn't because he was <laughs> oh, no. to one band for the entirety of that decade.
1: No, we don't need to go down that. We don't right. have to no, talk I have about it, I have narrow musical tastes for a person who hosts a music show.
2: Yeah, well, anyway. Um so to kind of close it down here, yeah, I've definitely taken a lot from that that, that decade of learning and understanding and being like, that's how it's done. I have no hardware, I just have a little compact computer and a mouse. <laughs> and I'm just lo- looking at these tiny little software programs. And that's when virtual DJ was out you can put in music and this one then, you know, MP three format was like, and now you can put MP3s in. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Old the old way. <laughs> So, sorry, I'm rambling. No, yeah.
1: that's okay. Uh, Chad, so you're a, a few years older than him. So when did the making of music, I mean, did you start on hardware and see the evolution into software? Or where did it yeah. start for you?
0: Yeah, totally hardware. I, My freshman year at the University of Texas, uh, I finally saved up enough money to purchase um, a Roland MC909 groove box sampling like it was basically like a little MPC 2000 the Akai MPC 2000 which is another legendary piece of gear um that from there it it, it evolved my next piece of gear was a a Korg Triton which was a a big it was a workstation it was a keyboard workstation sampling workstation um and you know eventually at the University of Texas I was fortunate enough to be able to to take audio engineering classes um and graduated with a minor in audio engineering um and at the time they taught us all the stuff we don't use today you know like how to mic a drum kit and how to you know how to come how you the patch base system and all the techniques that they taught us were um i don't they're not antiquated dave and i just break all the rules now like Hmm. you know where you were taught never to mix down through a a heavily compressed master chain or don't work through one i mean so much music is slammed these days the majority of our career we've created some of the biggest songs through these heavily processed master chains and just i don't know i feel like it's good to know the rules and once you do
1: you're you allowed start to start break exploring them. Yeah. breaking them yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah
0: and um and that's kind of where it was for me so dave and i came from I wouldn't say a complete polarity, but his growth up through electronic dance music was um, away from the environment in which dance music was primarily experienced, which was in nightclubs, at uh, raves, at festivals, Uh, right? Yeah, I never went to any of those. Dave's first time at a nightclub was his first time to DJ as Tritonal. Huh um and still wasn't even of age he still wasn't even 21 yet so he was actually legal in there. there and um my and so i came from like the pits like this is what we do on the floor this is what the feeling is supposed to be this is what the community is about this is what the culture is about and thankfully at that time i was you know in a sober mind and body and so and a graduate had just graduated from UT and so had now learned music academically, took a ton of music theory, counterpoint classes, sound design classes, audio engineering classes. So it was good for me as somebody who never became proficient as an, a musician to at the university level, um, be introduced to sound from the perspective of a science and to understand sound science. Um, vibrational physics and to learn synthesizer and sound design basics this is what an oscillator does this is what fm synthesis is this is what additive synthesis is this is what granular synthesis is this is what the old school methods of sampling is and now we've got contact and we can do all this this and this stuff and so um you know it's cool cuz Dave and I's personalities are also different i'm extroverted um a lot of like type a energy right that probably comes from my i probably had to develop that as an athlete It was probably incumbent upon me to do that or die right and right and dave um is much more introverted and and naturally equanimous and calm and so these two these two sides of the project have served us well um because because we developed a really close friendship online through chat, we developed a really close sort of love language or a, a musical language that we know that we can talk to mu- each other about with these little words and phrases, and we know what each other means. Music and sound is hard to articulate; it's hard to to put into words. It's you know, it's it's sound. It's it's hard to do. And so, you know, because we created such a close knit um, likes and dislikes, we. These points of unity, these unity points with each other. Um, and then for the first and Dave, how many years, like eight years, I would say we were maybe seven, seven, eight years. We were in chairs Mm -hmm. beside each other every day at the studio, you know, taking turns in the pilot seat and, and working through all those, all those, I don't think I would call them challenges. Like, how the how the and and constantly a being records that we were djing out like how are they getting the low end to be so so clear and so tight and and yet so present and and you know low end's a hard thing and dance music is all about the the bass end right it needs to be there it's a it's something that permeates the experience when you're live and so um You know, being able to crystallize, as you used the word earlier, the the low end and being able to see it and understand it and have dynamic control in these sorts of things. It was important for us.
1: Hmm. Well, let's let's get to your uh, collaborative song here. And, uh, you know, um, how do you guys want to handle this? You guys want to just kind of tag team the story you want to listen to it first? What do you want to do?
0: Yeah, we can tag-team the story. It's really contemporary. Like, it came out last mm. week, so we chose I that. Know, I know. I noticed
1: that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so that, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that, that's, that was on purpose. Obviously, we're DJs, and we have a radio show called Tritonia that's syndicated to 36 stations. We're on BPM Sirius XM every week. You know, we're, we're radio. We We cultivate music every week for our show, so we get hundreds of tracks every week. So we're music guys. Like, we 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 have our pulse on where the scene is right now and and also um you know as tritonal we came in as sort of like dave alluded to his love for trance and my love for progressive trance we came in as a trance act and that evolved over time as we you know with with success in the music industry comes more people you get booking agents and managers and publicists and labels and label executives and um, all these people who come in as social media managers to sort of like help you perpetuate or build the business and um which is great and you know for for us you know i chose a really underground rave record dave chose a really above ground commercial pop record and both of those styles are imminent in our music. Like we came in as an underground trance act, but a trance act who was always writing real songs with in songwriting sessions and have done so many songwriting camps in Nashville and so many songwriting camps in LA and have didn't come in as tritonal as songwriters. We, we've had to learn that as we've gone, but have really always leaned into... Real songs with real vocalists and cutting and comping and doing right, Dave. And you want to talk a little bit about how I just felt like that was, um, you know, how polarized higher states of consciousness is with an ace of base. Like they're sonically so different yet the cross pollination of underground rave music with real songwriting, real, real commercial top line has been, we've been able to, to blend those two things as tritonal. And now, fifteen years later, it's what's funny is I feel like we're coming back full circle to what we both initially always loved and and really cared about, which was music Making for the sake of, of music. <laughs> <laughs> Making yeah. an ace of faith record. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it was it was music for the sake of music. It was music that healed. I mean, Dave, you want to talk about some of the things that trance music did or you want to talk uh, about
2: yeah i'd love to um so one of the so okay so chad definitely described as well so i can talk from a personal experience like uh, harmonics right they they do do something like there's a difference between a good harmonic and a bad har- harmonic we know what sounds pleasant and we know what sounds unpleasant and the pleasant feelings from the harmonics be that a chord or whatever you you're making a, in a sound design or a synth there's a feeling that i feel and it makes me feel different from how I normally would feel if I had that that harmonic been different, right? And so, having a collective of harmonics that make you feel a certain way, i.e., trance music, does something to me spiritually and it does something to my soul where I'm just like, I need to listen to that part again. Can we talk like, a little bit about that? Can I expound upon that? Yeah, just go from ahead. A more of a metaphysical.
0: Go yeah, for it. So let's it get deep here. Okay, at the at the quantum level, quantum physics which is the leading edge of science. Quantum physicists who are studying the quanta, okay, which the very edge of this, they say the quanta is the field, okay, that permeates and from which all things manifest. So how do they study this field? Well, they get into first subatomic particles, okay, protons, neutrons, electrons, And they crash these subatomic particles at very high velocity into each other to destroy them. Okay, this is what CERN is. It's this accelerator. Okay, it's this huge seven-mile loop or something. So what happens when they get into what's beyond the subatomic particle is the quark, okay? and when they get into beyond the cork the leptocorks there is no thing there there is no permanent particle there there's no building block in fact atoms at their are 99.9 to infinite empty space they're they're basically nothingness they're waves of energy that manifest and they oscillate between the state of formlessness, or, the state of, or the, the state of infinite potentiality, the state of a wave, potential waves, and then they manifest as particle, and they oscillate like this, literally millions of times per second. Okay, this is the nature. This is the nature of the manifest world. So everything quantum physicists say is vibration. Everything that you experience as real or as physical is condensed frequencies of energy, okay? They're they are condensed energy forms. They are vibratory. Everything is vibration. This is why music is so powerful because music is a literal direct transmission of emotionality imbued into frequency. Literally, it has the power at a cellular level, okay? This biochemical level to change your chemical state. If you look at somatics, which is these plates of sand, you can run certain frequencies over these plates, and they will begin to organize and crystallize into sacred geometrical patternings. This also can be seen in water particles. So what does that say? That says that vibration has the power to not only change matter, to change how we feel as primarily being made up of water, right, liquid, that that we can imbue, we can imbue intentionality and we can imbue emotion into frequency. This is huge. Like when you begin to understand this, the power of music takes on a whole new meaning. And for us, for me and for Dave, who are using our platforms to awaken human consciousness, we are choosing chords and frequencies and lyrics and song titles and, all of these things and packaging them in to a little technological transmission, which has the power to hopefully remind you who and what you are. So I'll shut up there. That's a lot, but that's, that's important.
1: I followed along with all that. Cause I'm a nerd and I, uh, I, what you were saying is absolutely spot on in terms of um, the, the facts that were included within it. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, cool. So why are we going to listen to this song?
0: Well, because it's, For one, so this type of music is called progressive house, okay? For those who listen to NPR who aren't familiar with dance music. And progressive house is this blend of um, really hypnotic, repetitive rhythms. And a lot of this music doesn't have the typical top-line vocalist, pop vocalist, indie vocalist, whatever, who's singing the chorus, singing the post-chorus hook, singing the bridge, singing the verse, singing the pre-chord, whatever. Right. It's it's really based on the ability for the music in and of itself to make you feel a certain way. And so and I just thought it was so Dave and I are back to this style. Like like we went we went pretty dance pop for a little while. Like we've got a gold record in the United States with the Chainsmokers who are completely pop act. Like we've dipped our toe into dance pop music. We've got, you know, five Top five Billboard record, like we we've done the radio thing, the dance. We know how to write songs. We know how to write pop songs. We know how to write melodic bass songs. We know how to write drum and bass songs. We know how to write trance music. We know how to write progressive house. We know how to write real house. We we've know how to write electrocut. We've learned how to write all these stuff. We know about styles. We know about genres. We know about feelings. We know about rhythm sets. We know about sound design. And so for us. Now that we're sort of like have done all these things in our career, the attainment of tours and managers and festivals and international runs and all this post pandemic during the pandemic, during COVID was really a time for us to look within, which I think it was for a lot of people. It was a time of introspection and reflection. It was a time for us to say, man, what a blessed career we've had. Like that was, that was a run. And we don't, we didn't even know if it was going to come back. Like, It looked like the music industry was absolutely being decimated, which it was, and it's still not back totally, by the way. And we are out touring our latest album. We're about to start out in L.A. this weekend, but it's it's rough, right? The economy and the like and so we really at like what are we going to do then from this point? Like it only needs to be completely and totally authentic like no more formulaic writing songs for this this and this no more writing a song and structuring it based on how you think it'll do algorithmically at the streaming platforms no more writing a song based on the formulas that are needed to get into certain radio stations and do certain things at dance radio and pop radio like back to basics who are we what do we want to say what do we represent what is our sound right and and that was so like anytime you crystallize the why of a brand, the purpose, everything that flows out from that is this natural expression. There's no more. You're not operating then out of the intellect. You're not operating out of the cognition set. You're not operating out of the mental bullshit of you're operating out of a real deep sense of of following the charm of following your intuition of leading with your just your creative intuitiveness and this is the place from which Tritonal was born, and this is the place that we're back to, baby. And for me, as a 42-year-old dad of three who's done all this stuff, and for Dave, who's got a kid and a wife and family, like, you know, our roles have changed. We're no longer 18-year-old kids going to, you know, it's we're in a whole different space in our life. So for us now, it's like this rebirth and this reemergence of what was always true, of what was always pure and what was always right, right? And this song, although it doesn't have a top line telling you anything specifically, has a feeling in it. It's dope.
1: Can you, uh, what's it called? Can you uh, tee it up like you're the
0: DJ? All right, coming in right now is Consciousness, the Eric Pritz remix.
2: Consciousness.
0: What's that make you feel? Chad, let's start with you. Oh man, a great sense of unity within myself, which is was always the problem, is that I felt, separate from and in need of everything in order to feel okay and i just think that it it keeps saying consciousness over and over again without really saying anything about it and allowing the music to um really kind of put you in more of a hypnotic state which is a a place where you can you know that's what i always love about chill and ambient um meditative music drones even orchestral symphonic music is that um It's music you can work to. It's music that you can move around to. It's music you can work out to. It's music that you can um, function with. It doesn't captivate your consciousness. Like some music is saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. And what this music says to me is look beyond me.
1: What about you, Dave?
2: Honestly, like I, I can agree with him. Like Just falling into just this state of trance, for lack of a better phrase. Shout out to Armin. (laughs) um there's a feeling that you do feel that is just kind of meditative and for me personally i'm just like oh listening to that sound i'm like oh interesting i maybe that's how that's processed (laughs) you know and and so i get a little technical i can't help it but i enjoy it and so it was a really good listen for me the first time around i was like yeah this is this is balls awesome and um you know how loud his percussion is which chad and i have talked about and you know it's just it's just a really good solid club record yeah it's a club record and we have
0: big studios and big sounds
2: and we're on big
0: systems all the time touring so i get it like if you're in a little ear pod and you you don't have the you don't have the low end and stuff it may not appeal right and so but for us who really appreciate a sick mix down proper engineering well-placed sound design like Dave was saying, milky percussion that's compressed, right? Cool grooves like this is like nerd
1: stuff for a couple of electronic producers. Hmm. Well, I'm sitting here with my fancy uh, Sony studio mic, uh, there you uh, go. St- studio headphones, <laughs> so this sounded pretty darn good to me. Um, <laughs> there you go. Okay, so were you guys ready for a speed round? Speed round. Okay. You're going to both get a chance and try to be as snappy as possible. Um, Chad, do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life that you'd share with us? In high school, they called me Nernos. My manager right now calls me Zilla. Zilla. What about you, uh, Dave?
2: Uh, I've just been known as Dave and that's it
1: that's yeah, not a nickname I mean, <laughs> that's your that name is not,
2: dude that is it i've never been called i mean the only other name that i can read i know the other name that i've been called by my uncles was spanky growing up Oh my god. now i don't know if you want to go there well yeah, don't you, go you, there it's man.
0: too
1: late you did we we brought <laughs> out the the truth uh, uh dave karaoke are you a karaoke uh no chad no Uh, Chad if you were a championship wrestler what music would you come in on (laughs) Rocky Uh, Eye of the Tiger Eye of the Tiger what
2: about you uh, Dave I gotta need that John Cena background I gotta have the John Cena intro I thought you'd have the sign honestly (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh damn. Hey, uh, just, I saw the time. <laughs> <laughs> just um, Coming out there Shaking my hips And pushing damn. my legs out damn. Um,
1: Dave what song do you wish You could hear again For the first time
2: Oh man Coldplay's uh, It's one of the Coldplay records That I it's, I think it's Find You Or something like that Okay Is a big one It's a big one I, I space out sometimes But um, yeah It's a Coldplay record For sure uh, Chad, I, you know what, how about this, rephrase it First artist I'd ever want to listen to and Rediscover Coldplay
1: Okay, uh, well, then we'll modify the question for you Chad which, which artist which would you like to Rediscover again from the beginning John Hopkins John Hopkins, okay um, uh, Chad, are there any songs that you'll Avoid listening to because you don't want to be Reminded of the memory they're connected to
0: No, that's heavy
2: Oof.
1: I know, it's kind of a cruel question
0: Yeah, let's go with I don't know the name of the song but white zombie there were some like high school fights and so i remember this one high school fight that we were that i was at where white zombie was playing It was bad man i'll go with white zombie
1: dave
2: i would say use somebody by kings of leon
1: all right. Uh, Dave, if you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet and you can't choose one of your own because that would be unfair marketing, which song would you, cho- would you choose? Use
2: Somebody by Kings Leon. <laughs> I'm, kidding. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just because you just asked me that. I had to. Sorry. Uh, if I could broadcast a song that wasn't my own.
1: Yeah. Just to create a collective oh. global moment where everybody was listening to the same song.
2: You know what? I really like Panic Room by Camel Fat. Probably would broadcast that.
1: Chad? Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Okay. Um, uh, Chad, what album would you choose if you could only ever listen to one again for the rest of your life? In Harmony,
0: Sulphagio Frequency Music, Volume 1. It's just literally drones.
1: Hmm.
2: Dave? I probably would pick Back to the Sky by Olafur Arnoldz.
1: Okay. Dave, what would your 14-year-old self think of who
2: you are today? Uh, My 14-year-old self would probably be completely flabbergasted. (laughs) Uh, for lack of a better word, y'all. Man, mine too. Mine
0: All right. too. Mine too. Mine too. Mine would be completely appalled, and that, I love that. That's
1: exactly what he gets. <laughs> and so that would be four. That'd be two years before you had your your awakening moment. So yeah, you yeah. Had that, no idea. Be completely, completely pissed off about the entire thing. Um, you know the engine of this show is how songs bind us to our memories in such a way that it you know crystallizes like a place that you go back to when you hear it. I, I'm assuming you guys give this thought, but you know your music must have done that for a lot of people. Who, if they hear that song, they have their own song we, story. Like what we, we get it all about. the time. Yeah. Like
0: literally every show. There's a meet and greet, and they'll come in with a memory or a show or a festival. I was here. I was there. I was. Duh, it's and you're right. It's exactly what it is. Um, I don't know that it's as strong of a memory binder as smell. I don't think it's quite as strong, but
1: it's right up there with it all right well it is time for you guys to recommend three people that you'll that you'll share this with etc so who do you got
0: well i we talked about this on text we know all three artists and they're all pretty successful they also all um they're they're compadres um in the electronic dance music realm one of them's gareth emery um who's a uk producer dj electronic aficionado Um, Really good friend of ours, and we've played uh, some really big shows with Gareth at Brooklyn Mirage comes to mind. Um, If you're looking for a vocalist, um, singer, performer, songwriter, Halion, who we've written very many songs with. She's beautiful. Her husband, Matt Steeper, is an audio engineer. He's a vocal producer. He's a vocal coach. He owns a publishing company. They're um, Little Sonny and Cher. Shout out to them. And... Um, third would be Audion, um, who's also a friend and a great producer um, off the label in Juna Beats, Above and Beyond's label, and really good friend, also lives in Austin.
1: All of them are, um, they're all bright lights, and all of them would do well here. We would love to have the, their bright lights on our show, and we're trying to always reach into new audiences, and you're helping us do that today. Chad, cool. you got any final words to leave us with?
0: Yeah, um, I just wish everybody um, would remain in as much as absolutely as much conscious awareness as they can. And I would, um, send so much love to anybody out there who has been a fan and is listening as well as to all those who've never heard of us before. Um, we need more of that more than ever in this world. And, uh, Dave and I are hoping that our platforms and our music can do just that.
1: Dave, any final thoughts for you?
2: Um, I guess for me is really thank you for having us be on the show. And if there's anything that anyone got out of this, that there's always a backstory to everything and we are coming from a place of just passion. And we hope that, you know, over the years that you're able to discover that. And there's a lot of times that you find it in places that you never imagined that there would be.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you both. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and host. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christophus is our executive producer. And our theme song was made by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's Parting Tune, we're jumping back two years to episode number 139 guest Andy Johnson. Andy's second song story was about Van Halen's "Running with the Devil."
0: Scraped together enough money to buy this really terrible drum set from a fellow bandmate, and had it set up in the old farmhouse upstairs. And just uh, and I always think of my dad, you know, or my mom and dad in that house, in an old putting farmhouse. Up with with, you? Yeah, putting up with me because I was
1: awful. It must have just resonated. The oh, whole there house. was no,
0: there was no getting away from that. You know, there was in these old farmhouses, no insulation, no nothing. Up in the upstairs, just you know. But this song was one that I probably one of the first ones that I felt like I could almost master from him. It's not too complicated on the drum set. You can play along with it. It's not ridiculous. It's not like trying to play Hot for Teacher or something. And, uh, you know, so it's always a good memory for me. Like, I nailed that one.
1: Keep listening.
2: Next time on Three Song Stories. See, I know there's several R&B folks that I used to listen to um, that I thought of like, well, anthrax was definitely one of them. (laughs)